0: Alright, uh, what's what's our number? What's what's the what's the 111, number? One eleven. One one one. One one one
1: one. <laughs> one one one. Oh my god, my brain is melting. <laughs> All
0: right, so it's Tuesday, it's uh, episode one eleven. It's uh, it's on taking pictures. And, uh, and 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 uh, we're here each and every week, and we're talking about uh, photography, we're talking about creativity, we're talking about sometimes art, whatever that means. You know, we really haven't missed a week, have we? No, we've been even pretty when good. even when one of us has been gone, we've we've recorded, we, we've filled it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've been good. Uh, my name's Jeffrey Sidoris from FadeAndBlur dot com, uh, which is you know a pretty spiffy site for inspiration. Uh, and 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 with me as always the the formidable Bill Wadman. I'm okay
1: with that. Formidable? I'm good like that. Yeah. That's good. That makes me sound um like the rock, strong, you know. I'm going to be <laughs> like, huge like the rock.
0: I'm like going to start working rock.
1: out like Hugh Jackman and get huge.
0: Uh that's a good idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll make you take better pictures. Look at me with this tiny camera. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, so, so are your arms tired from flying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh which it's probably a lot of you because why would you <laughs> why would you an, possibly know? Yeah, why would you take an interest <laughs> in my life? I barely take an interest in my life. Uh just got back from Portland yesterday. Um Man, I like that town. Yeah. I think it's I like calling down. It. Yeah. You know, you know what it is? Uh it's it's several things, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a make, it's a maker town. It's a mm-hmm. doer town. And I'm sure there are a lot of towns like this across the country, across the world, but Portland is a city of makers. Yep. And I I really like that. Whatever, whatever it is, whether it's, whether it's writing, whether it's food, whether it's art, whether it's, you know, some crazy business idea they do. And I, I had a talk with David Dushman recently. And, and one of the things that he said was, and it's, and it's in his book, a beautiful anarchy. Creativity is not coming up with the ideas. Creativity is doing creativity is shipping. Yep. And Portland is a very creative town. There's a lot of shipping going on there. Yeah. Uh, and had some really fantastic conversations with people. Um, this guy that that makes chocolate his name 's Aaron um, uh, met a guy named John who his grandfather started the haberdashery business in downtown and would tell stories about uh, you know he told me stories about you know he 's been working there since he was like six years old. you know he would help out in the back room and they would pin a note to his chest you know to make sure that, that he got home okay and and this kind of thing and and uh, we need to do it, that more often. There, there's just a lot of great stories there. Yeah. You know, uh, walking up to Washington Park, we walked from, from the waterfront up to Washington Park, which is not a great distance as the crow flies, but it's very steep once you get to uh, kind of the, the, what we found out was the Multnomah Athletic Club, which there's this beautiful building, it's a beautiful brick building, and we're walking by it, and I was like, "Gosh, I wonder what this is." And guy was coming out, and I said, "Hey, what what is this building?" And he's like, "Oh, it's the Multnomah Athletic Club." Like as if I should know, yeah, what this is. It's and the Empire like, State oh, Building, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, yeah, it's it's one of the finest athletic clubs in the country." And you know, I guess it's it's like know, $15,000 a year to join and then there are sure. you know, monthly dues, but there's, you know, there, there are multiple pools and, and Whenever I, f-
1: I hear that. I always think of that scene in, in wall street where Michael oh, yeah, Douglas we're, is we're, slicking his hair the, back after they yeah, play the squash. The room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of the thing, right? It started out as a gentleman's club. Uh, and and there are restaurants and bars and and there's an upper deck pool where you can sort of sunbathe and there's a bar there in the in the summertime and they they you know bring you drinks and but I had a 40 minute conversation with this guy and found out that he he's been a member for 40 years his father used to take him there when he was you know 8 years old and just the stories that I got a chance to to hear from people Really, sort of solidified the richness of of that city, which is probably very similar to other cities. You don't think that's um, true? Okay, two things. Number one, you don't
1: think it's true that you could find similar stories all over the place. I just said that. Yes. Oh, but no. But do, I mean, do you think that? So, do you think that Portland is different in some way, or do you think that it's just that's I the experience you had a, this weekend?
0: I think you could find similar stories many places. I think Portland is different. There's a different mentality there because you you've got you've got the city and the forest that that are literally smack next to each other. They right. they sort of coexist with each other. And I I took a couple photographs where I'm I'm literally ten feet off the road and I'm deep in, you know, you you, you look one way and it's green, gorgeous forest, sure. and you look the other way and there's the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whereas I could drive for you know, an hour and a half, even though I live at the base of Mount Baldy, there's nothing like this in Mount Baldy. There's nothing sure. like this in Big Bear. There's, you know, it's, right. it's, it is, Portland is kodachrome green. Sure. You know, and, and photographing it, you almost, I feel like you almost have to affect your photo in some way, filter your photo in some way, add some sort of preset because shooting it straight just doesn't do it justice. No, yeah. Well, because it is so green.
1: There's, I mean, a lot of, a lot of outdoors kind of things are very difficult to capture in photos, which is what makes landscape photography actually really difficult. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think it's easy and it's like, no, that's one of the most difficult because you have to make something that is so beautiful in reality, beautiful, much smaller. And that's very difficult to do a lot of times. Yeah. But here, I guess here's my question. Do you think that it's Portland, do you think it changes the people who move there or do you think the people move there
0: because of how it feels? Does that make sense? I think the people move there because I think you are, you are of that ilk or you're not. I I, I know people who are, they are New York people or they're Chicago people mm-hmm. and they would not do well in Portland. If you're a San Francisco person, you'd probably do well in Portland and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but New York is a very different vibe. From the time that I've spent there, it's a very different vibe than Portland is.
2: Yeah, or but San you haven't
0: Francisco. been here in a long time. Well, I can't imagine it's changed that much.
1: Well, the city has changed a lot, even in the 15 years that I've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, okay, that's fair. Uh, but it's
0: just a, the, the amount of making is is very good. And it's very you know when 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 we were there for the first time uh p e Preston said that that it's a it's a very fertile city was how he described it. We were right. talking about creativity, and he's like, you know you know a tree needs great soil to grow and and Portland is a very fertile city and I think that's a great way to describe it um, It's a welcoming city people are are too happy to share their time, and at least that was my experience maybe. You know, I don't know, maybe it's something that has to do with me too, but there was there was no sort of judgment. People ask, you know, where are you from? LA, oh, oh LA, what are you coming up here for? There's yeah. none of that. It was it was very welcoming and, and it's just it's a great town. Great food. Terrific food. Lots of donuts. Uh, met up with yeah, donuts at Pips. Yeah, that was good. Sorry we missed you, Nate. Um Met up with uh, Jason Fusera, Stuart Coates, and Dan Hawk at uh, this pizza place in, in the Hawthorne district, which is really fun. Um, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. You know, uh, Fusera's got a D600 that's awfully sexy. Uh,
1: D600, that's the, the Nikon Nikon small frame. Nikon. Yep. Uh, I got the 610 for that friend of my friend's Same family's. camera.
0: Yep. Same exact camera. Well, yeah. same exact camera without the shutter problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, it
1: was pretty nice. Yeah, I- nice. I would use one. Nice piece of kit. Yep. Very, very nice. Uh, uh, it was fun. What, uh, why do you have Vignelli on here? Uh, just because
0: Massimo Vignelli died last week. Oh, did he? I missed that. Yep. Uh, and before he died, now for those of you who don't know, Massimo Vignelli, a uh, graphic designer, very famous graphic designer, uh, his two most famous projects were the 1972 redesign of the New York city subway map and uh, the branding for American airlines. Yep. He did uh, mobile.
1: I think he did Bloomingdale's.
0: Yeah. Very, very famous. If you've seen the film Helvetica, uh, he, he was profiled pretty extensively in there. They talked to him and uh, he had a, 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 some sort of heart problem. Uh, and before he died, his son, um, created this this letter-writing campaign, launched a letter-writing campaign called Dear Massimo, asking people to write letters, if you've ever been influenced or affected or moved by his, his father's work, to send in a little note or a, a letter or a card or something, and they got thousands. Uh, and then Massimo read a couple of them in, in, in this uh, New York Times piece, uh, read a couple of them, uh, and it was just very touching, you know, that, that people... You know you you see You see the effect of design you see the the end result of design, rather, but you don't often see the effect that design has on people, whether it's a logo or typography or a body of work or a, a chair or or you know a teapot or something you don't You don't see how those things affect not just consumers but other people who yeah. make things
1: I think that that's true of I think that's true of writing. I think that's true of photography. Sure, I think it's true of music. It's, it's almost as if that sort of cultural stuff seeps in and, 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 and sort of uh, puts itself in every nook and cranny. And you only notice later when it's gone or somebody dies or you listen to the song 30 years later or whatever it is. Right, right,
0: right. Um, I,
1: the other day, Heather put on a tune. She was singing some replacement song. And uh, and so I put on the replacements, and some song came on, and I was like, "Wow, it's like time warped back to 1992." You know what I mean? Yeah. Or 88. It was just it was just kind of um, it's amazing how I could do that. But yeah, but it, yeah, it affects them in a very deep way. But most people, um, it's difficult to acknowledge that without some sort of event happening to right. Uh,
0: to, yeah, to bring it up, right? To sort of catalyze it. I was
1: unaware almost. that he died. That's sad. I like that guy. He yeah. was, was well spoken too.
0: Yeah, uh, in in uh, albeit in in fairly broken English. Well, that's know. what made it fun, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Um, all right, what else you got? We got a big Q and A show coming up. So uh, you got
0: anything else? Uh, what what is this? I've this London thing you've got in the show notes. I don't think I did. I, I don't know that I put. Oh, that in oh, there. duh! I put that in there. Duh. Okay, because <laughs> uh, I'm an idiot. Uh, uh, Cam's Campbell. Yes. Big thank you to Cam's Campbell. Cam's sent. This little book, and I don't, I don't know how else to describe it other than it's this charming little book. It's called I've Lived in East London for 86 and a Half Years, Hoxton Mini Press. Wait, could you call it, uh, it's a uh, charming little book. Can you do that in a British accent? No. Because okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what the inflection would be. Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
1: I guess the, I would say the charming would be the, the most important it's, part of It's that. a charming
0: little book. Yeah, there you go. Hey, yeah, <laughs> okay. Um it's uh it, 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 it's this this photographer whose name is I want to get this right. Uh Martin Osborne U S B O R N E Martin Osborne uh befriended this this fellow named Joseph Markovich who lived his entire life in this area this district of of East London 80 86 and a half years uh never left and he he said it started out as as a, a photo project. He wanted to just take his photograph and ended up befriending John, and it it turned into something more. And I just want to read a little bit of the the introduction of the preface, if I could. Okay. It's very moving. Um, let's see here, where is it? Okay. He says, "Uh, as I write this, a sadness has come over me. Inevitable, I suppose. I fear this may be a last revision of a project that has become more than documentation and something deeply personal. I used to think that the process of growing old was a gentle retreat into darkness, rather like a spent actor leaving the stage backwards, stumbling at the last. Joe has shown me something of the light and lightness of old age. Even though his recent story has been painful, I only hope that I also age into someone as colorful and wonderful as Joe. To Joseph Markovich, with gratitude, Martin Osborne. Joseph is his name. I'm sorry. I called him John. Uh, so it's, it's a series of, of portraits. Okay. And uh, just little little asides of, of what Joe thought about relationships or fashion or or the changes to to uh his his town yeah. um he's kind of a bit uh, of a crotchety old man about a little right? bit yeah, he, yeah on work this is this is what what joe had to say on work i worked two years as a cabinet maker in helm and uh, hemsworth street just off hoxton market but when when my when my sinuses got bad i went to hackney road putting rivets on luggage cases for about 20 years i did that job my foreman was a bastard apart from that he was okay <laughs> but if i was clever very clever Then I would have liked to be an accountant. It's a very good job, and if I was less heavy, you know what I'd like to be? I'd like to be a ballet dancer. That would be my dream. (laughs) And there are just these little sort of, you know, uh, asides. Some of them are just complete non sequitur. But it's just a, it's a really charming little book. So thank you, Cam, for sending that. uh, It's, it's really great. That's a good Uh, one. And you can check check it out. out. Hoxtonminipress.com. You can check it out. All There's right, well, a whole series of these that they're doing. Put a link in the show notes and I'll, okay. and I'll put it up there.
1: Um, is that also part of the photos aren't always the whole story?
0: Yes. Photos aren't always the whole story. And and one of the things that, as if it needed solidification, but one of the things that this trip to Portland solidified was that I am, I am much more about the story beyond just the photograph, but right. I'm much more interested in the story beyond just the photograph, uh, not to slight photographs in any way, but, you know, in, in, in meeting John, for example, the, the haberdasher's grandson who, who runs the shop now, uh, if, if you can close your eyes and imagine what a haberdasher or a purveyor of haberdashery would look like, that's probably close to what you're going to imagine john i mean very well tailored suit bow tie braces you know it, and that photograph would have helped make the story and the story would have helped make the photograph so okay. in 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 some instances those two things are are very tightly knit uh and i want to do more exploring of of, of those types of things you know what's interesting about that, is that and uh,
1: I agree with you that there there is certainly a lot of room for exploration in the merging of art for people who are interested in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that when I read photos aren't always the whole story um, It made me think it made me think about the fact that uh I took it as less that the photos need something else in order to you know speak as well as they can. And more read it as there's a lot of things in life other than photography, as in that's
0: that's absolutely true too.
1: So it's 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 interesting because I read it as oh well yeah that's kind of what I think when I don't carry a camera all the time like I don't want to be thinking about photography all the time. But it's just interesting how like you you said one thing, but it actually means two things to
0: two different right, people. Right. Well, you know, I didn't take if I took a hundred photographs, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I and took how many days? More Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's probably, that's, that's a larger average than I took in Seattle.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I took more with my phone uh, just because my, my X pro was in my bag and you know, I just happened to have my phone just in my hand all the time. So it just, it was at the ready. Yeah.
1: Um, (laughs) by the way, across the street yesterday, I was walking to go pick up my laundry and on the street was a pile of books, and I was like, "What the heck is that?" And I go over and I open it up. It was an entire Encyclopedia Britannica on the street, like in a nice. pile in the trash. And I was just thinking, how many thousands of dollars that must have cost back in
0: the day? Yeah, and yeah. completely useless. And it, and how long did that take to accumulate? Because you couldn't just buy everything at once, right? Yeah, did well, you, have to you buy could, those in uh,
1: installments. Uh, that was no, you could buy Britannica all at once, I guess, if you really want to spend the money, but. But it had like a few of the like the updates, you know, the yearly annuals that they had to right. add where things changed. Anyway, right. it's just it was just fascinating. I was like, wow, that's
0: just nuts. Uh, it was good yeah, stuff. That's funny. All right, so we've and, got and now it's all on your iPad. It,
1: no, yeah, no, yeah. You could actually put all of Wikipedia in an app. All the text I think is like four f- gigs. Yeah, yeah. Next next phone I buy, I'm going to buy a bigger one, and I'm just going to have Wikipedia on my phone. There you go. Um, all right, we've got huge Q and A show. Sure. Uh, so uh, you, you want to just jump into this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So uh, first one, I'm kind of going to go in sort of reverse or in order that we got them because we got a couple emails uh, late last week that are sort of cue questions. So I, I thought I'd bring them up. So uh, Mike Sakasagawa, our friend, friend of the show. Uh, wrote in and, and he was listening to the episode. He said, um, just got to the point where Jeffrey is talking about how for him, the rigidity of Carter Bresson's practices, practices seem stifling to him. And then, you know, he wanted to open up and do all different stuff. Right. Um, and he's kind of brings us back to a thing that we talked about way early in this show. Hero dreams of sushi. Right. Where the guy dedicated himself his whole life to doing one thing really, really well. Sushi. Right. Hero doesn't say, you know what, today I'm going to explore salads and tomorrow I'm going to do some meat on a grill because I want to explore cooking. His thing is, I want to explore sushi. Right. So it's, it's, it's a breadth versus depth kind of question. Uh, so, you know, do you have any further thoughts on that now that we've done 110
0: shows? Well, you know, Mike... <sighs> You know, Mike points out in his email, he says that breadth and depth are always a trade-off. And, yeah. and I do agree with that. And the, the point I was trying to make is a lot of photographers decide what type of photography they want to pursue early on in their photographic career or journey yeah. without exploring other avenues of photography. True. Okay. For example... Uh, when I was in high school and, and in uh, uh, my photography class, w- one of the big uh, influences or, or reasons that I wanted to shoot was because of sports, photog- sports photography. Okay. I'm um, trying to find his.
1: That's back in the day when... Sports photography was hard and you could only do 36 pictures on a roll.
0: That's right. Uh, And, and there was one photographer in particular, uh, John Icano. Okay. Uh, He's a sports illustrated. I think he lives in New York as a matter of fact. Um, But this guy's photography, I kept going back to, and it, and, and for me, it's like, you, you want to talk about the decisive moment. You have to talk about sports photography. Because sports photography, if nothing else, sports photography is made up of decisive moments. These are the, these are the, you know, the really iconic shots are that perfect moment that you're going to remember f- that, that event for forever, right? Yeah.
1: Although sports photographers tend not to wait, 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 snap. They go. Brrrr. Well, yeah,
0: now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Much. And, and even, you know, even back then shooting with an F2 or an F3 it just blow through a roll of film you blow through 30 seconds film.
1: and then just go to the next. Yeah.
0: Um, but his, I didn't, I didn't know that <clears> throat> at throat> the time, you know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, perfect timing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so, so it was, it was really a sports photographer that, that set me off on, on learning photography and, and learning a, more about photography and partially because I was shooting for the yearbook. I was shooting, you know, water polo and volleyball and basketball and all this for the, for the yearbook. So that's who I went to. Uh, and then, you know, I, I read from the book of Ansel and, and started doing, you know, trying nature photography and try, and going up to, to, you know, the, 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 the forest areas above, above where we lived and trying that. And, you know, then it was, you know, moving on to different types. So I guess m- my point was that so many people, when they first start, it seems like, decide I'm going to be this type of photographer. And it's like, well, you, you haven't really given yourself a chance to explore some of the other things that might lead you down a different path or in a different direction. You've just decided that I'm going to be this type of photographer. And that's the point I was trying to make in that particular discussion was, okay. was you know, it's it it doesn't mean that you have to be a master of of you know a jack of all trades type of thing but it doesn't hurt to see some of those other things or to try or experience some of those other things before honing in on 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 that which which you really want to pursue full force yeah
2: see
1: i i would give people a little more credit and and it, yes that may be true of some people but i think other people they're They're drawn towards a particular type of photography because of the the way they are, you know whether sure, it be you know sure. some people are just really outdoors people and they like sitting there waiting for the weather and they're landscape people you know
0: or or whatnot but um, if, if you look at some of the people that we you particularly have referred to as monsters, yeah they weren't shooting one thing they were all over the place, yeah, they were shooting all sorts of things, yeah and some letting of them were, one yep. thing influence or inform another, true. Um, but it was also a very different place commercially. Yeah, but take the commercial out of it; it just you pursue what you love. Oh, sure.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Yes, but some of them were, you know, uh, Carter Besson hated shooting in color. He always shot with the same lens. I mean, so some people were stuck in it, and it allowed them to do X, you know, certain things, and sure. other people explored. So it's all, I guess, just comes down to your temperament and whatnot. You know, uh, there was a, the, another email we got this week was the. Uh, I'm going to screw up this name. Uh, Yao Chuang. Chuang. Okay. Okay. Uh, Send in the, 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 um, it's a video of Justin Timberlake talking about like how he stays interested in whatever it is. And he keeps talking about, you know, the old beginner's mind kind of thing. And he's always like trying to get excited about new things and learn new things. And, and it's funny. I thought that was
0: a really interesting video. It
1: was. And, and I always liked him and it's, it's interesting because I just listened to a nerdist interview with Tom Cruise who, was very similar in his talking about movies. He's like, I want to do things I haven't done before. I want to try new things. He's like, I want, I want to be working on one and have something else in the hopper coming up. He's just like, I just love it, you know, and I've loved it since day one and I want to learn everything I can. And I talk to everyone on set so I can learn what they know, you know? So I think that the, I think that that sort of, um, lack of cynicism and, love of sort of insatiable interest in learning and, and that can go in many different directions though, is, is a very, is a very healthy thing for humans,
0: you know? Sure. Uh,
1: And so we'll put those links in the show notes.
0: Uh, you want to take the next one? John Jennings, John Jennings, color or black and white? When do you prefer one over the other? How do you feel about split toning images? Um, color or black and white? depends on what fits the photograph, which leads to the next part of the question. When do you prefer one over the other? Uh, when one works better. That, yeah. And that, that's, I know that's kind of a, just a cheeky kind of response, but that's really all I've got for that is you, you try it one way or you try it the other and, and you see what works. Some Back photographs. in my say, day, we didn't
1: get to choose later. That's right. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, one of, one of my current favorite street shooters is a guy called Rinzi Ruiz who is most known for his his black and white work, but he's been putting up a lot of color. And his color work is just as fantastic as his black and white work. Yeah. So it, it just, it really kind of depends on, on uh, you know, how you see and, and what you're trying to communicate. You know, Millie in, in the group, uh, Millie's putting up black and white work and her black and white work is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Lee Thatcher, another guy in the group out of the UK, fantastic black and white work. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is just kind of how you see. And if, and if, if, if your vision is, or, or your aesthetic is, is more tuned to black and white, then that's what you're going to shoot. And that's what you should shoot. Um, for a lot of people, color feels off or vice versa. For a lot of people, they wouldn't dream of shooting black and white because color is where it's at. Yeah. Cause we uh, see in color. Why would you want to see in black? Yeah. And yeah. So it's just a very personal preference.
1: It also depends on the subject. Um, it, you know, what's interesting about it for me is that I, the times that I've shot black and white, and I've been successful shooting black and white, and I shoot black and white in in the big camera sometimes, um, but I find that when I'm shooting black and white, it's usually because I'm trying to make something look like somebody else. Mm. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, okay. sort of, I'm sort of toying with how Avedon did something or how whatever. It's like, oh, I want to see how he did that. So I'll play around with black and white. But rarely do I ever do stuff for me in my style, play with it, switch it to black and white to play with it and not go back to color. Mm -hmm. Like, I I feel like it's almost throwing away information for my personal look and like what I'm trying to convey. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there's a handful of times with landscapes and that kind of stuff where you're, you know, but even then it's like, oh, because the black and white looks more like Ansel Adams. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like You sort of get into those sort of mind games. At least I do. Um, I, even the I street think, people, I think a lot of them are trying to look like Winogrand, and and you know they're trying to play that black and white game too. Um, maybe,
0: yeah, you know, because or,
1: or that not even if they're consciously trying, Jeffrey, just that you know that's what that's what they imagine street photography looking like.
0: Right. Because that's
1: historically what they've shot with, you know, because it was I
0: I think you go with what fits. Yeah. You know, um, there's a a terrific landscape photographer named Mitch Dobrowner, who does a lot of most known for his storms and and cloud formations and and very strong black and white. And I don't I don't know that it would have the same sort of drama in color uh, that it that it does in black and white. Yeah. Um, so again, I think it, might it really have more. Who knows? might have more yeah, yeah. Uh, split toning split I, toning I I like split toning if it's done subtly yeah I, I uh,
1: I've never been I've always tried to do split toning like on something that I think would work and I can never get it the way I want and I end up just kind of going back so right. I've never been successful at it but I've seen people who have
0: been so yeah. I guess it's possible I think possible. If, it's, if it's subtle and you end up with almost like this sort of selenium toned feel yeah uh, that's nice what I don't like at all ever is selective color right you know where you make you make the bouquet of roses red and everything else is black that's that's because you have
1: no love in your heart jeffrey
0: or like the car is (laughs) because you have no romance
1: yeah the car is
0: blue (laughs) and everything else is black and you know
1: what i will say though is that we are gluttons of for for i mean our, our options nowadays for black and white you know, back in the day, you'd have to shoot black and white film and use filters and blah, blah, blah. Now, shoot color raw and you can play with the colors to your heart's content after the fact, you know, filtering sure. and shifting things out. Yeah, You have sure. so much more control over black and white now than you ever had before. Yep. Um, so there's something to say for there being almost a renaissance of black and white. Uh, black and white, you could argue that it's harder because you don't is. have the crutch of color.
0: Yeah, there's nowhere to hide. Right.
1: So a lot of
0: places to hide in color. Yeah. 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 Uh,
1: So it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, so I, I prefer color. Jeffrey doesn't prefer either and split toning. I think both of us say it's could be done, but we don't really ever do it ourselves. Is that where we come? Uh, up? no, I, I split tone a lot of stuff. Oh, okay. But I thought you were saying little, you like a little it. bit of
0: creamy yellow in the, in the highlights and a little bit of blue. Okay. It but, just gives it a little more depth in the, in the shadows. Oh, okay. I, but, I like but, it a lot. But
1: not so much that you'd ever really notice it. Very subtle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Less is more people. Yeah. Uh,
1: Jason Peterson, why is the Fotec soft lighter always out of stock? Well, it's funny. <laughs> I happen to own Fotec and, um, I can tell you, uh, I understand this isn't a gear show, but I learned about it from you. Um, I learned it from watching you. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like I go, I go, I go into Jason Peterson's room, Jeffrey, and there's like a, a cigar box on the bed with 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 a Fotek soft lighter in it. Yeah, <laughs> um, Fotek are made in a town called uh, Ansonia in Connecticut, very near where my father used to have a record store. So it turns out that I used to drive by the Fotek building all the time on my way to go to work at the record store. I figured that out later. When I looked it up, I looked up the address, and it's like three blocks away from where my father used to have a store. Um, I talked to the phototech guy at the photo show last year. Shoot, I always remember. The photo Plus. The Photo Plus show last year, the Javits. And uh, it seems like a very small operation and a very quiet operation. So I think it's just probably a trying to get supply and demand to lock up so they could still make a living. But I told him that I love his stuff.
0: If you're a small business, isn't it even more critical that your stuff is
1: available? I I totally agree. I think they should just sell them direct. They'd probably make more money than selling them through, you know, they sell them through Adorama and stuff.
0: I didn't know they were, they were that hard to find. I mean, sometimes
1: they aren't sometimes, sometimes they're all in stock and another times you can't get any of them. Hmm. It's very, it's very sort of feast or famine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, They're good. They're not, they're not the best made things in the world. Like I have a 40, whatever it is, the 46 inch that I've been using lately. And I just noticed the other day when I opened it up that the, um, the silver material inside is kind of peeling away in one corner and I've only used it, you know, for six months or so, you know, so it's not even that it's that old. So they're not like the best made things in the world, but for the dollar, they're amazingly useful because I mean, you use them as an umbrella, you use them as a shoot-through umbrella if you take off the black top. And then they have the diffusion panel, which, if you use an umbrella with the diffusion panel, it looks like a nice round softbox that you can fold up and throw in your backpack. You know, um, I love them. Uh, soft lighter is good. So I don't have an answer for you, Jason, other than, uh, you know, uh, th- actually, Jeffrey suggested before the show that you uh, go check out the the Paul Buff. PLMs is that what they call? Yeah,
0: called? the PLM. It, it, although it depends on what size you want, the smallest PLM is fifty-one inches. Right. So
1: if you were looking for the sixty-four inch, or the sixty whatever inch soft, is it sixty-inch soft lighter? Is I think it's sixty. Uh, you know, buy the smaller, medium-sized PLM and the front sheet, and you'd get that. Yeah, they're Plus, a
0: similar shape.
1: Yeah, um, but you know the the big thing about the PLMs is that they're supposedly you know closer to parabolic, similar to the parabolic stuff for a lot mm-hmm, less money. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get more directing, but I guess with the panel, they end up acting very similar to a softbox. So that could work, but, uh, I, I can't speak for those. I have not tried them. Although I have been meaning to, uh,
0: what's next, uh, Lance Harshberger, uh, what are some best practices for selling names? Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> what are some best practices for selling photos to smaller clients? Should I release watermark free CDRs for personal printing, sell single prints in an online gallery or offer digital download packages? I don't know that either one of us have much to say about this. It's not like we really sell prints.
1: Uh, okay, well, I can say a couple things about it personally. Um, no,
0: you can't. You don't sell prints. What do you, what do you, you don't sell prints?
1: No, I very Come rarely on. sell prints. Um, and there's actually, and, there's actually good legal reasons for that.
0: <laughs> yes, just, that's why you don't do it.
1: No, that's actually one of the reasons. Ugh. To clients? Uh, because no, just
0: selling prints.
1: Yeah, but no, uh, well, I, well, I do sell prints sometimes, but, but the, but the, the reason for this is that if you just do digital downloads, Jeffrey, like if you just let them download stuff and don't actually hand them over any physical object, right. Then technically I don't think that you have to classify yourself as a business that has to intake uh, sales tax, which if you're handing over physical goods, you technically do. So like all, almost all – I never hand people DVDs. I will send them links to download files and whatnot. But, you know, when you hand over things – anyway, just an interesting thing. So I don't have to deal with sales tax with most of my clients because I'm just essentially a consultant, right? Um, but I don't know. I, I have a weird thing about handing over all of the stuff on a CD. I guess lots of people do that, don't they?
0: I um, don't know. I would think that, that CDRs are going – Away in favor of things like the you know Dropbox, Dropbox or or yeah, sure, cloud based solutions. But I guess I guess the argument is,
1: I guess what you could do is use one of those online gallery services that lets you upload a bunch of stuff and let them buy prints for X dollars and you decide what X dollars is over the cost of the print. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it it sounds like I mean I wonder what type of photographer Lance is because this should I offer digital download packages? It sounds almost like there might, he might be a, either a wedding or, or a senior or yeah, some yeah, sort of yeah, event yeah. family. Sh- yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That kind of
0: thing. In um, which case
1: it's, I feel like here, let me ask you a question, Jeffrey. If you were yeah. a, if you were a wedding photographer and you shoot 2000 pictures, do you think it's reasonable that you edit it down to 500 and the people get the 500 or
0: should they get everything? I think it's reasonable that I edit it down to a hundred. I okay. don't think anybody needs 2000 photographs of their wedding. Yeah,
1: Somebody, I think it was somebody on the group recently, somebody or somebody somewhere was talking about some client who was suing them because they wanted to see all of them. And the guy didn't want to show them all of them because a lot of
0: it was like stuff that he was, I, I think part of the reason that you hire a photographer and this is personal to me yeah. is not just for their shooting ability, but for their editing ability. For their ability to say, this is a good shot. This is not. This is a throwaway. This is not representative, A, of my work, but B, of what you hired me to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: a couple times I've shown stuff to a client and they'd say, we like this sort of oddball of the selects. Do you have any more like that? You Mm -hmm. know? And when you go back and you find one more or two more that are like similar to that, you know, I've had that happen a handful of times. Right. But most of the time, you know, they, they kind of trust the 20 that I pull out or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know. Best practices. It's interesting. I personally wouldn't hand over CDR of like high res images, but I guess if that's the business, you know, it's just, that's not my business. So it's a hard, lot of, it's yeah, a decide. lot of
0: event people and wedding people, that's, that's, that's their, the game, right. That's the end game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, uh, can I say something about printing? We've talked about print. Wait, do we have something? We have lots of questions about prints, about selling prints.
1: Uh, Yes, actually there's one down the bottom, but we can move it
0: up. Okay. Okay. Well, all I was going to say was in, uh, in Portland went to a a farmer's market, actually went to a couple uh, and there was a lot of really good work being sold as prints and very reasonably priced for Nice quality signed prints. Give, uh, give me numbers. Oh uh, gosh, one guy that I really liked his stuff. Forty bucks for um, eighteen by eighteen or sixteen by twenties. Uh, Forty five bucks matted, not framed, but came with a nice double mat. Wow. Um, some framed prints. You could get into framed prints for hundred bucks, yeah. framed with glass um, you've got to sell a lot of them. Well, so what? No, I'm just saying that you have to be able to sell a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and in fact, there were, there were a couple that, that I wanted to buy, but had nowhere to, to, uh, to, you know, no way to get them home. So, uh, I took their cards and, and I'll, I'm, I think I'm going to buy a couple prints that I, that I saw up there, but that's kind of what I've been. One of the things anyway, that I've been harping on for a little while is, is, would I buy this guy's uh, work at at a thousand dollars a print? No, right. Would I buy it at a hundred? Yeah. Not only would I buy his, but I'd buy the one across the way because now I've got these two pieces of really cool photography that I like and that made an impression on me for a couple hundred dollars. Right. Yeah.
2: No. And
1: and if yeah, and if you like the work and that's possible, it's great.
0: Yeah, it's a numbers game. You've got to sell a lot of them, but. And it's in a place where rent is a
1: little bit cheaper. You know, I mean, all this stuff comes into account,
0: you know what I mean? Or you have to take it into account. So you're going to price your prints based on how much rent is in your surrounding area. That's ludicrous. You have to price your prints based on how much it costs for you to
1: live. So, yeah, that's not ludicrous. Sure. It's perfectly reasonable.
0: So so a Chuck Close print should cost more in New York City than it should in Kansas City? No, I'm saying that if Chuck Close
1: is living in New York City, it costs him more. He needs X amount of dollars. To, well, Chuck Close is a bad example because he's selling millions and millions of dollars. But my point is that if Chuck Close is living in New York City, it costs him $50,000 a year to live versus $30,000 a year to live. He has to charge his, He has to charge more for his work in order to be able to pay his rent. That's like just math, right? I'm not going to, you know, that's, you know, you don't think that's reasonable?
0: No, not in the least. (laughs) Okay. So,
1: so the guy who's living on it, I think
0: you're going to decide what your work is worth.
1: Okay. Look, there's an interesting email that we, another email that we got this week was, uh, from where So you're
0: telling me that if you lived in Cleveland, you would charge less for your prints. I'm saying Uh, in Cleveland, I could charge less for my prints.
1: Where if I live in New York and the rent is twice as much, I have to charge more. If I only think I'm going to sell 10 prints, I've got to s- charge more for them in order to make enough money if that's how I'm planning on making my rent. It's supply and demand. It's like I have to, you know what I mean? Like it's a, you know, th- this is the, uh, th- we got this email from Mike, uh, McCoola? Matt McCoola.
0: Wait, wait, let me, s- uh, uh, three days ago. And he's where where is it about,
1: in the list? Is it? uh, no, it's, it's it's an email. It was actually oh, down oh, the okay. bottom of the list, but I just put it as uh, Matt McCullough email. Okay.
0: okay. And
1: uh, he talks about, you know, he's like, I've sold loose inkjet prints by some artists for $5,000 that were okay, no more we than are. 20 by 30. I've seen the same price go for less than 200 by other artists. <laughs> the key thing yeah, that most artists forget to take into account is the cost of production and living according to the volume of their sales. The cost of what a gallery consultant takes, say galleries take 50%, a consultant takes 30 or 40%. Uh, So in general, calculate what you need, mark it up by two times. So he says, so, um, you know, uh, so he says, uh, Etsy uh, artists pricing prints for $30 are choosing the quantity route. They need to sell tons of these to make what they need versus selling fewer to higher costs. Uh, Will quantity, quality will suffer in one way or the other. It's much more, uh, yeah, blah, 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 only so much time in the day. So it's just, I'm just saying that like it's – you know, how much things cost does depend on where you're buying and selling them or where the person who's selling them lives in order to make their cost. It is a business, right? That's not true.
0: Yeah, I just I, I don't I don't I don't like see it either. But that I, as a direct correlation.
1: Well, I think if I lived in Oklahoma or I live in Manhattan and my cost of living is 10 times as much, I can't sell my prints for 20 bucks unless I know that I'm going to
0: sell a lot of them. If I but plan you're never going to You're never going to know that just I mean, we've had this discussion. Well, he says he
1: says you can you can sell a single monumentally large, hopefully incredibly stunning photograph for 20 grand. Or you could sell two for 10 grand, four for five grand, eight for twenty five hundred all the way down to, you know, 2048 for 10 bucks a piece, you know. So, I mean, it's who knows what the what the market will bear. But I'm just saying that 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 price does involve living costs. You know, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, like for me, selling a print for twenty dollars is not worth selling the print because it costs me two dollars for the piece of paper, say a couple bucks for the ink. Then I got to also buy a mailing tube. That's two dollars plus the postage, plus this and then plus the, you know, twenty five minutes it takes me to make the print and I'm going to make eight bucks. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make that doesn't make economic sense for me.
0: So the, no, the, and I think I think that's that's the the other end of the spectrum, right, right? saying that it's twenty bucks right
1: that's, so what I'm saying is that this guy selling these prints for forty dollars is going to have to
0: sell you know yeah, but eight it just of them feels, a day in order it, for it whatever. feels overly dismissive to go, well, you know, you live in Portland, so you can do that. I couldn't do that in New York no well, I, that's well, you're well, first of all, you're putting inflection on my voice that I don't have right now,
1: but you know there are people here who who do this sell prints very inexpensively, but I'm assuming they're selling a number of them, you know? Right. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. I to would have rather have price more
0: price. people have my stuff, I guess it's, I think that's, okay. that's, that's the way, but that, you
1: know, just because they're cheap does also doesn't mean that people will buy them, which is the other thing, you know, trick. true. You never know. Right. You just, you, the, 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 and and then how much, how much of it is not really even, how good the work is, but who says that it's good so that people want to buy it, you know? So there's all, there's all that marketing PR stuff that goes into it too. Sure. 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 Uh, I know it's fascinating, but you should, you should buy those prints though. If you like them. Oh, I like them. I like, them. Uh, I need, I've got actually two things that I've got to buy frames for. It ends up being more expensive to frame this stuff than to buy it. It, it isn't, isn't that kind more. of messed up. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That's kind of,
1: <laughs> that's yeah. why I like that frame destination place down in Texas. Pretty good uh, stuff. Oh, that,
0: that's, yeah. You, you send them that, their dimensions and they, they build. Yeah. It you to, like,
1: yeah. You, yeah. you tell them how big, how big the mat and they cut everything and they send it to you and it's great.
0: Yeah. That's the way to do it.
1: Yeah. Um, let's see Derek Weiss. Are either of you planning to come to the UK anytime soon? I don't
0: know, Jeffrey, are you planning on going to the UK? Uh, possibly in November for Paris photo, okay. uh, and to visit Carl Taylor. Oh yeah. 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 Um, they're, they're actually, they're moving new studios. They, they, uh, they got a new space. I think, what did Carl say? I think he said it was like 4,000 square feet, something like that. It's huge. Yeah. It's a gigantic big roll up door. Uh, one of the corners has a full cove. And then there's a, there's an upper mezzanine with like, you know, meeting room and edit suites. And it's, it's a really nice building. Uh, so he invited, uh, invited me to come over and spend some time with them. Um, and then I would, I would love to go to Photo Plus. I, I, I'm sorry, not Photo Plus, Paris Photo. Um, so that's, that's possible. There's also uh, Shoot London at the end of London, the, the Hasselblad event. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, uh, it would be great to be able to time it, to go see shoot London and then go to Paris photo. Cause they're only like two weeks apart. Yeah. So I don't, the, the short answer is I'm, I am i am looking into it. I'd like to, but I'm not sure if the dates are going to line up yet. So I'm still working on it.
1: Yeah. I haven't, I haven't been to London in six years, seven years. Yeah. I'm due back. Uh, in the fall we were thinking of going over to, to Amsterdam and Bruges and, sort of that sort of Netherlands kind of thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um but we could always go through Heathrow and stay for a day or two. I yeah, I haven't been to London in a while. Uh so no current plans, but who knows? If anybody's over there who wants to invite us over for a talk or something. Yeah. yeah that um, would be great. Uh you we'll know speak, speaking of the Hasselblad uh I uh, I think this week I'm going to get to play with the Pentax.
0: Oh, the the 645Z. Yeah. Oh, groovy. Yeah, I think i Uh How do you do is it Adorama or how do you get at that?
1: Uh, I'll let you know when it happens. Okay. But All I right. think I might be but able to get my hands the works. on it. It's All in right. the works and I actually have a shoot on I have a magazine shoot on Thursday that I'm thinking of
0: of using it for in the studio. Wow, you, which you would do that? Like un, untested, you would just fly in and and commit to using it using it on a shoot? For fear of what? That it's going to fail? I don't know. Well,
1: uh, I, I don't know. Well, I'd bring my Canon too, but you know, I'd certainly consider it. You know, be a good opportunity to try it out. It's like Uh, a nice little studio they had rented for the shoot, and the subject's pretty good. So, yeah. Anyway, just uh, super
0: cool. Yeah, excited. Yeah. Uh, Let's see, David Williams. This one's you. Uh oh, it's like uh, two pages long. Well, uh, shorten it. Hold on. Hold on. I gotta take a breath. We already covered this in a different Q&A episode, but I'd like to hear more about prints. I'm thinking of buying a printer and learning a print workflow. Any suggestion on where to start, which printer, a book, or video tutorials? I'm an advanced Photoshop user, but I've had poor results with making prints. Years ago, I bought a high-end printer, but with the high cost of ink, endless clogs, lack of instructional material, I never mastered the process. Now that expensive and outdated printer is sitting in the garage collecting dust, Last week, when I told my wife I was thinking about buying another printer, she looked at me like I'd lost my mind. My old printer is a Canon PIXMA Pro 9000. Do the new printers still clog like the old ones? Can I make decent prints with my non-calibrated laptop? I'm good enough with Photoshop that I can work by numbers instead of using WYSIWYG. Um, Okay, lots of stuff in here. Yeah, I don't know much about the current crop of printers other than Uh, I've, I've always used Epson printers. I've always been happy with their results. What is the, what is the old IBM adage? Like no one ever got fired
1: by buying IBM. Yeah. Something like that. No one ever got fired by buying an Epson. Yeah. I, I,
0: although uh, I've I've
1: heard Canon makes good printers too. So I, I, you know,
0: Patrick uses a Canon printer. Yeah. Um, my local lab uses a, a Canon. I don't know what model it is. It's one of the big 48 inch wide a uh, uh, large format printers. And he uses that to print on canvas and, and you know, high end papers and, and loves it has had no problem with it. Uh, I, I have had printers. My old HP never clogged
1: at all, but every single day it just did a little tiny head clogging thing so that it didn't clog. Um, oh,
0: like a little, like a little, like just a little routine. tiny
1: purge that didn't yep. use much ink just to like, keep it ready to go. Uh, if you didn't use it for 24 hours or 48 hours. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I would recommend using your printer a couple times a week. If you have a printer, even just to print something small to keep the heads from clogging. I had to do a print the other day. It was the first time in a long, I haven't used it in, I don't know, maybe three weeks or four weeks. And I put paper in and I started a print and it was giving me lines across it. And I had to do mm-hmm. a head cleaning to get it fixed
0: and r- remind, remind me. I that have a, you- I have an Epson R
1: 3000, which okay, is the okay. high end 13 inch one that they have. Um, if you are planning on printing a lot, I would say instead of, say, buying the $800 R3000, buy the $1,100 3800 or 3850 or whatever that could is, uh, which is the 17-inch printer but has much bigger tanks and therefore lower cost of ink per milli- milliliter. So if you're going to print a lot at all, you're better off buying a bigger printer with bigger tanks because the cost of printing is going to go way down. So right. you're paying more now, but in the long run, you're actually paying much less. Uh, like the, the amount of ink difference is worth the extra cost, you know, plus you get a bigger printer. Now, if you don't want a big printer, that's a problem. Uh, now as for the printing process, um, can you make decent prints with a non calibrated laptop? I would certainly calibrate your screen because otherwise you have no idea what your pictures are supposed to look like. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I've never understood the working on photos on a screen, that isn't at least somewhat calibrated, you know, spend the hundred dollars on a spider, or, you know, the 150 bucks well, or,
0: or, or at least do the software calibration that's yeah. built into, yeah. you know, the operating system. Just because if you don't know, you, you really
1: have, don't know what your file actually looks like if your screen isn't at some sort of standard, because otherwise, you know, it's, it's like it's getting filtered and it's way to your eyes. So how do you even know what the original actually looks like? Um, right. So I would, I would suggest doing that. Um, I would suggest if you have Lightroom, the Lightroom printing module, I've always had much better luck than I ever had with Photoshop. I never used Photoshop, Mm -hmm. uh, on, although apparently the new Photoshop uses a very similar print module. Anyway, um, lately I haven't even been using custom ICC profiles. I've just been using the profiles for the papers that are sort of built into the printer and they work pretty close, uh, get close enough with, with, uh, with my, with my current printer. Um, it's, it's a tricky thing. Printing is, it depends how anal you are about it, you know, because the color of light that you're looking at the print in after you print them out, if you look at them under a tungsten light or under sunlight, or if it's a cloudy day outside or, you know what I mean? Those colors shift no matter what. Right. Uh, so perfect is a very deleterious word, you know? um, so, uh, you know, if you have a friend who has a fancy big printer, go plug your laptop in and make a print and see how it works. You know, I, I you know, recently I had to print out a bunch of stuff for my portfolio. and <laughs> I was going to I was I printed out some test stuff at Adorama and I picked them up and they looked great.
0: And then did, it, did you get them? You, you emailed me and said they, they had a big sale. Did you get in on that? They had a sale
1: instead of five, four, nine, three ninety nine piece, They were a dollar seventy five apiece. That's a great deal, right? So I ordered four test prints just to make sure they're good before I ordered the big batch. Sure. And the day I picked them up, the sale ended.
2: Oh, yeah. Oops.
1: And I tried everything I could to finagle them into hooking me up. Uh, no dice. And and I finally got a no answer. So I made a oh, sub. I sucks. made a subset of the <laughs> prints that I needed. I spent four hundred dollars. Well, because you know what, it would have cost me at least a set or two of inks to make these pictures, plus the paper. Right. That's three hundred eighty dollars right there. So, I might as well just pay them three hundred eighty dollars and save myself the time. You know, sure, yeah, sure. Uh, the, and, and it turns out that Adorama now has a new. There's like the store in downtown Manhattan, and then there's. They just opened up a new print facility, which happens to be a 10 walk, 10 minute walk from my house.
0: Right, right. Yeah. yeah. You were saying that. In so it's like right there. So that's I sent cool. them
1: over and uh, I'm waiting for them to come back. So for certain things, it's easier for me just to send it out. Now I'm sort of coming to that conclusion. And um, what,
0: did you go 11, 14,
1: uh, 11 by 14? Yeah. yeah. And then okay. some of the, some of the landscapes I've actually split across two eleven 11 by 14s because mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's what the agent wanted. Um and then, you know, so portrait ones are portrait book. And then the conceptual ones are going to be a landscape book, two separate books. Nice. Uh, very time consuming, very expensive and very complex. But the point is, is that sometimes it's cheaper just to send them out. Uh, but yeah, I also if, like if having one a printer at home. from it. You know, yeah. You get one gig from it. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I mean sending out to get printed versus oh, 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 owning oh, yeah, your own printer. Sure, 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 if sure. you have somebody near you, like how much does that guy cost for printers? That guy that your friend,
0: John, what's uh, his name? The, the, the lab near me. Yeah. Ike, yeah. Ike, uh, he charges per square foot Okay, or per square inch.
1: And so, depends. so, but if you go get 11 by 14, it's going to have four or five bucks. Right. It's, it's very good. reasonable. Right. Yeah, so no. in some ways, unless you really need it and you're going to be selling a lot of prints, I like being able to make my own prints. Some people aren't into that. But I think getting things printed period is more more important, and mm-hmm. I would still suggest uh, that you uh you get your screen calibrated, uh, which you know what Look, can we do that as the next question because uh Derek West had that question
0: oh yeah uh, yeah uh, i th- I'm
1: thinking of getting uh c- getting into calibrating my screen or is that color calibration? what's the best piece of equipment in both your opinions or is the best value for the money? Do you own any of these things uh nope, okay.
0: I've uh, borrowed them. Who, which which ones have you used? Do you know? Color Monkey. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think uh, a few years ago I used a Huey.
2: Okay, that sure. That was
0: a, a, the little Pantone yep, yep. Uh, stick. Yeah, Um, yeah. I'm
1: I am, uh... I'm an X-Ray i1 Display Pro guy. That's what I've mm-hmm. been using now, which is the same colorimeter that they now give away with... Um, not giveaway, but they they put in the box with the high end NECs now. Is this is the one they use? Um, you know what's interesting about so this is software and the puck. So right. what this does is makes an ICC profile that sits between your video card and your and your your uh, screen. And for those who don't know how this works, you stick the puck on your screen. The software shows different colors. The puck measures those colors, sees the difference between what the color is supposed to look like and what it does look like, and then creates a curve that's the inverse of the problem to sort of flatten out your screen. It's actually a really slick little trick. Um, So most screens, what you do is you end up running this, and then this ICC profile just sits in software, and it it makes everything work the way it's supposed to. Uh, On higher-end displays, there is uh, what's called internal lookup tables, which means that the screen does it internally at a higher bit rate than it would in the video card. Um, the nice thing about this is that uh, the, the, the LUTs is that you plug in any computer and it'll be calibrated, right? It doesn't need the ICC profile. Now, when I bought this Dell that I'm using now, the, one of the problems that I had was that there was no way for me to calibrate into the LUTs, the lookup tables in the, in the monitor. Cause it's a Dell monitor. Why would they make software for Macintosh? You know, and they never, ever have, Jeffrey.
0: You know? Really? Still?
1: Yeah. Well, up until two months ago. Okay. They started making a version of the x i1 software f- with the Dell extra stuff for Mac. And I, was, I, I happened to notice it while clicking around something a few weeks ago. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. So I plug it in. <laughs> I install it and I plug it in and it's like, Oh, we find, find your puck. And I'm like, awesome. Now I can like get rid of this stupid ICC profile, you know? And I, I put the puck on and I go to the next step and it says, even though the puck Jeffrey is plugged into the monitor in the USB, you know, hub that's in there. Right. And, and the monitor is plugged into the computer USB and the puck is seen by the computer. So the USB is working. It says that it can't connect to the monitor via USB, which is how it makes the corrections. Right. And, and then it, it apparently in the errata of the, like the current known bugs, that sometimes it can't see it through USB, and you have to turn off the monitor and turn it back on for it to work. And I tried two dozen times, and it never worked.
0: Never worked. So mm. I'm waiting
1: for an update to the software to, to make my thing work. Um, so anyway, I stick with the X-Rite stuff. The i1 Display Pro, I think it's like 250 bucks. This is a more expensive one. Right, but I think there's a Color Monkey there are one a few. for hundred monkey. hundred fifty yeah. bucks. I'll put, uh, some, I'll put some links in the show notes. I'll look
0: it up. There's the Data Color too. They're Spider. Uh, I think those are same kind of thing. One hundred and fifty. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
1: Certain ones are like get better reviews than others. So I, you know, it's it's who knows. Um, it's all tricky. All right, what's next?
0: Uh, where are we at uh, next? Uh, next page. Oh, uh, what about architectural photography? Yeah, okay. what about it, Jeffrey? What a what about it? Yeah, uh, I like architectural photography. Do you think there's um, a difference
1: between architectural photography and photography of architecture? Does that make sense? No. When when I think architectural photography, sometimes I think about the equivalent of the actor headshot for photography for architecture. So, yeah, so I, mean, I don't. Yeah. Versus uh, what that,
0: what's the guy who we like, who we saw the documentary of. Well, there, who we okay. Used? Yeah. Julius Schulman. That's go. a, that's a great architecture photographer. Uh, there's a guy, Ezra Stoller. That's uh-huh. another really terrific architectural. These are kind of old school guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, when architecture you could even, was cool. <laughs> you could even argue that Bernice Abbott, she, you know, she shot a lot of architecture. So was she an architectural photographer? Yeah, Sometimes. True. Um, and Margaret Burkwhite. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's a guy called uh, Chris Payne that does, um, like these abandoned spaces. Who hurts people? <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's a really cool um, architectural photographer in LA. His name is Oh, uh, what Weldon? Okay, Weldon. I think it's Weldon Brewster.
1: We'll put some links into the show you know what, notes. Let me, so we'll, let me we'll, look we'll this up now. I All think right. it's Weldon Brewster. I um, think that there is a difference, though—not a difference, but I think that there are two domains that sometimes overlap. Which is art photography, which includes architecture and architectural photography in the standard sort of documentary sense. Um, right. And I think that there's, 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 you know, the Venn diagram, there's a center in there, which is both. Um, right. But right. like, you know, when you see pictures of some, you know, the architectural digest pictures of some new office building or whatever it is, it's like, all right, I don't see those as necessarily always great photography. It's technically very well done. And those guys, man, talk about like great use of HDR because now uh, they can yeah. take the pictures and get the stuff out the windows and you know what I mean? They can yeah. do stuff they never could do back in the old days.
0: Do you find yeah. the guy? Uh, yeah. It's Weldon, Weldon Brewster. Right, um, put a link in there. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Photographer here, here you, in LA. Do you like architectural photography? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. M- more, more because I like architecture and I like interesting spaces. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: like uh, I like the geometry of that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. if it's broken up in very interesting compositions, that's interesting to me.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, listener and and friend of the show, Kingsley Burton, uh, down in Perth, Western Australia. He does some really great abstract architectural photography. A lot of patterns and reflections, mm-hmm. and um, just really interesting work. And and does a lot of selling of prints to like hotels and yeah, people and, like this, you know, uh, in, in Europe, a lot of, a lot of the stuff is in Europe, but gosh, really, really great. Yeah. Kingsley does some good stuff.
1: Uh, all right. Next Greg Connors asks, can you guys recommend another podcast to listen to? <laughs> Maybe one that is not mentioned on the show very much. And I, I, and my answer to him was really, you're sick of listening to us already.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Podcast. Okay, my, uh, I'll run down my top ones that I listen to besides Radio Lab, because you, if you've listened to this show, you know that ninety nine percent of Invisible, terrific show, um, The Moth, terrific show, Radio Diaries, Snap Judgment, um, one called True Story, which is good. Uh, Adam Savage has a really good podcast. Um, those are probably my top ones right now. Is it, it tells you so much about you and I, our choice in podcasts. Uh,
1: lately I've been listening to, I always listen to stuff you should know, which you can never get enough of. Uh, let's see that post show. You ever listen to that one? It's all about video production. Uh, this week in computer hardware. I always listen to, uh, I really love, um, backstory, which I think I mentioned once before, uh, which is a great, uh, podcast about, it's about American history from this group of guys down in virginia one's like a 17th century guy one's a or one's a 18th century guy one's a 19th century guy and one's a 20th century oh, guy yeah yeah yeah.
0: i keep meaning to add that to my list i'm looking it's, at it right now
1: it's really good and it's always fascinating and uh you know if you're a history nut uh, they're they're always bringing in pretty interesting stuff so that that's always a winner for me um so yeah it's interesting i i, I, I tend bit. what
0: I'm an idiot. I, I have added that. And you just haven't listened to it? I just haven't listened to it. But it's in my feed. Yeah, you should you should go you should go listen Duh.
1: to you should go listen to that. That's really good. And of course, you know, I should I should put in a plug for uh, for Conrad's podcast, which I listen to her recording every week. Uh, the super fantastic <sighs> nerd out. You have to. You're not fooling anybody. I've been on it a couple of times. Ugh. There's some not- there's some fr- uh, friends of our people listening to our show who actually have started liking that show. It's pretty interesting
2: all right um
1: so that's the best we can do greg um that's the best we can do greg. is is list list the podcasts we listen to <laughs> oh,
0: sorry greg that's yeah but if you haven't listened to do. all of
1: radio lab you might as well just quit all those until you've caught up with radio lab yeah
0: radio lab is just so good yeah, it's, it's so funny now that like there are so many podcasts that's that are trying to sound like radio lab sure yeah what was uh, I,
1: yeah. I was watching something the other day that I was like, oh, my God, this is so trying to be this. And now you know, and it feels so trite now. oh, t- Anyway, go ahead.
0: Uh, what's next? Uh, okay. Oh, see, this is more you. Uh, what is the best approach when trying to get your work in front of a gallery representative or agent slash photo editor slash buyer? Or more particularly, what faux pas should be avoided that may not be immediately obvious? Is it in bad form to send postcards of your work to uh, to representative gallery? I'm sorry, to respective galleries. Is it always better to try and meet the reps in person before submitting anything, which can be difficult if you don't live in the same city or state for that matter? I would never consider cold calling or just stopping in portfolio in hand unless you say that's the kind of moxie they're looking for. Great use of moxie, Jeremy. Jeremy Bryant. No, people don't really say moxie anymore. You've got moxie,
1: kid. Hey, kid, you
0: got moxie. Uh, I know there isn't a clear <laughs> You're just the answer. kind of kid I'm looking for. That's right. <laughs> Come on in here. Show me your stuff, boy. Yeah. Let's see what you got. Have a show uh... at MOBO.
1: <laughs> Said everyone to Eggleston, ever.
0: Yeah, Go. yeah. <laughs> Are you thirsty? I'll have my secretary get you malted. Yeah. <laughs> An egg cream, chocolate egg cream. Uh, I know there isn't a clear cut answer to this. Just curious (laughs) on your, on your guys take.
1: Oh, we went off on a rant. I know. Uh, (laughs) I would say that uh, stopping in cold portfolio in hand nowadays in modern cities is impossible because of security.
0: It has worked in the past.
1: Yeah. It used to be you could just walk into the Time Life building and go up to the floor. It's like you can't even walk in the front door of the Time Life building now unless you have six pieces of ID and, you know, rectal check.
0: Uh, You you can't be Steven Spielberg and just jump off the tram and and go get a meeting with John Ford. Right. That kind of stuff just doesn't happen anymore. And there's something sad about that. But at the same time
1: you do have the ability to go back and forth with somebody over email or Twitter in a way that you never could before. Sure. So, th- so uh, you know, it, it's a different thing. But as far as getting a hold of people by just showing up, uh, I generally am not that guy. But some people have been successful at it. And some people's you know, hustle a whole lot and don't get anywhere. So who knows? Is it bad form to send stuff cold? No, that's what most people do. Um, it's weird. Some people love emails and hate paper. Some people love paper and hate emails. Some people want to see websites. Some people want to see books. Some people, no matter what you do, you're going to piss off some people and make some people happy. And that's of course the the big thing in life, right? Right. Um, And these things switch back and forth. Uh, A friend of the show, Randy Duchesne is like a big sells himself guy and he's really good at it. He's been doing it for years, sending out lots of, you know, email pieces and mailers and all this kind of stuff. And, and he always talks about how it shifted for a long time, all the way towards emails and no one wanted print work. And now people want cards again or whatever it is. And, Oh, well, Jeffrey, do you do a four by six card or do you have to do a bigger card to get noticed or right, a package right. of cards or, you know, um, and how much does it cost to do this kind of stuff? Cause it gets really expensive really fast. And if you have no, you know, it's, it, it all, it's, it's all depends on anything. I, have sent my work to, you know, in my time, I've sent my work to hundreds of agents and photo buyers and whatever it is. And what kind of response have I gotten? Less than 1%, you know, on average, um, even to click through to my site, let alone actually hire me to do anything. So it is very much a numbers game and it is very much a daunting thing. And it is very much, you know, you get it in their hand on that day when they think that they need X. So that sort of plays towards the do it as much as you can so that you're noticed kind of thing, I, I guess. Um, but then I, is there a too much that you end up getting, uh, you know, being, you know, um, ignored because they think you're annoying, you know? Right. Yeah. And like, here's, you just put up this thing of this guy, uh, Jean uh, Lert- 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 yeah, Jean Lenardson. Who, who, you know, had an had, uh, a, a, a action figure made of him and sent it yeah. to people.
0: Had an actual action figure of him holding a camera boxed like a little retail thing Yeah, right. as a promotion. Had 400 of them made. Right,
1: yeah. And, and you sent know, that out. And, you know, maybe he got work out of it. Maybe he, you know, maybe he would have gotten more work without it. Maybe he got work because of it. Who, you, you can't tell. And there's no way to sort of A, B, test this with a control group. Which is the problem, right. right? You know, was it a good return on investment? Who knows? You know, um, I, I'm always, it's, it's always difficult. You know, my, my new agent recently asked me, like, what my budget is for self-promotion this year. It's like, I have no idea. How much money do I need to spend? You know, what's normal? You know, I don't even know. Um, I don't think it's uh, faux pas. Um, don't be a jerk. <laughs> you know, anything other than that, I think sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, depending on the person. And sadly, I don't have any better advice than that. Yeah, you, you, you
0: have anything to add? I don't really have. Um, Not that you have experience, but any, you have any experience in it.
1: But uh, you've also cold written, and called people for other things.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, I think if you know, if you're respectful, if you're uh, respectful of their time, realizing that they probably get a lot of these things uh, a day or a week um be thankful for for them taking the time to look. But it, it really does, I think, f- for the most part come down to the quality of the work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. knowing 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 your your work, knowing the strengths of your own work. There's that that great line in, in High Fidelity where Cusack says you gotta you gotta punch your weight. And I think that's something that is is very important in, in any of the arts is knowing what is representative of your work. right? You know, knowing how to take a good picture or paint a nice portrait or whatever, that's one part of it. But, but knowing what really represents you and putting that out to someone, that's important too. That's another skill. Just like editing is another skill. Uh, and I think uh, uh, knowing what people want to see is you're never going to be able to do that. But knowing what represents you as a creator of things, that's something that you can do.
2: Yeah. It's
1: tough. Uh, I, I you know, some Chris Lupo's a uh, friend of mine on Twitter wrote in just asking, like, you know, how do you get people, uh, uh, to musicians and celebrities and authors and stuff to, to, to let you shoot them. And it's like, well, sometimes they're assignments and sometimes I, contact them and it's like well how do you get their emails it's like well you do research you figure it out or you meet somebody who knows somebody who knows them or you know whatever it is and you right. ask nicely and sometimes they say yes and sometimes they say no and 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 you know that's all you can do but in the end i think that my work speaks at a certain level so that if they go look at my work they go oh this guy you know knows what he's doing so maybe i'm more likely to say yes to him than i would be you know the kid who wasn't that good yesterday or whatever. Right. You know, you never know. Right. Um, so it's, you know, but ultimately you're right. It's comes down to the work. And so everything else, sometimes I look at the crazy portfolio stuff and I was like, yeah, but uh, you know, it's a gimmick. Is, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't know. Like, does that actually get noticed or is the world so gimmicky now that a non gimmick gets noticed? You know, you, you,
0: you never know. Yeah. Um, would, would just a, a, a straight, mailer that's just you know impeccably well done is yeah. that gonna get more traction than than you know sending an action figure of yourself yeah who knows depends on who's receiving it yep. to a large degree yeah yeah uh maybe the maybe the person who
1: gets it hates action figures because right. you know right you know, so you never know uh all right let's see jerry understand i'm gonna drop you guys on a desert island with two books one photography one text Ooh.
0: only what books would you choose Ooh. jeffrey go. <sighs> Um, hmm, photo book probably uh Gregory Crudson's Beneath the Roses because I could I could imagine backstories and narratives of those amazing pieces for quite a long time. Interesting um, choice. And and they're they're such there's such rich photographs that 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 they would remind me of places that I have never been. Okay. Uh non photo book who um, probably toss up between a tale of two cities uh, by Dickens and Neuromancer by William Gibson.
1: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, let's say uh, I pro I'd probably lean to to some portrait book let's say karsh regarding heroes maybe um which is a really amazing book um yeah I'll, I'll stick with that one uh and then as far as uh non-photography book i i would have to go as the art of motorcycle maintenance just because that's my favorite book of all time although if you want to go non-fiction a man in the moon uh by Chakin which is a, a, a long form history of the Apollo program and the, the space race is incredible. So uh, there, there was a
0: guy out front of uh, the, God, what was the name of the cafe? Ooh. Anyway, this coffee place uh, reading Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance.
1: It's a good book. If you haven't read it.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: hey, uh, Jeffrey, put yours two down and I'll look them up on Amazon later and put links in the show notes. Uh, just write them down just so I don't have to forget um oh uh, just underneath the question in the show notes cool okay right there yep that'll do okay uh let's see chris matheson uh oh this one's your read
0: okay uh gary winogrand for a period let other people decide the editing and print decisions on his work how would you feel about letting someone else make those decisions for you would you rather be out working, Bill taking photos, Jeffrey writing, interviewing people, or stuck behind a PC editing the work you have already done? What do you think? Um deciding the editing and print decisions. I'm not sure what that means. Deciding on post processing, deciding which pictures to to print, yeah, and which are the edit. selects. Yeah. I don't I don't think I would want to give my selects. Uh, I don't think I would want to give that choice away. I'd want to have some input there. The same thing as if if writing. I don't. I I have no problem working with an editor. In fact, I probably would would welcome working with an editor. Uh, but yeah, I'd I'd want some hand in in that. I don't think I'd want to make all the. I mean, I would love to turn things over and have other people do the post processing. You know, as long as, as there was a a discussion or, or, or something beforehand saying, here's where I'd kind of like to go with this, go. I'd be happy to turn that over, you know, because there are people that are going to be much better post processors than I will, or retouchers or or whatever, than I will ever be. Sure. But they're also,
1: you could argue that there's better photographers than you will ever be. So why bother taking the pictures?
0: You know what I mean? So I don't get that logic at all.
1: Well, I'm just saying that like, you know, uh, I think that there's, you know, but there's a lot of bad post-processors too, you
0: know? Sure. But hopefully you're not going to work with them. You're going to work with the yeah. ones that, that have, that you've, you've, I, I, you know, I look at it as, as like a director, you know, a director, very few directors edit their own film. Of course. Yeah. But they're in the room,
2: you know, yeah. they're,
0: they're, they're, they're having conversations. They're making some decisions, but not all, but that's why you, you, you team up with an editor that, that works well with your vision, you know? And I think that the same could be said for photography. You find somebody that works well and understands where you want to go with your work. And they're able to facilitate that. I
1: think, I think that there's, I think that it's a perfectly reasonable way to go. I like for me, I see making selects and editing as part of the process
0: that I'm trying to do, you know? Sure. But and- what, What I mean, you're, let's say composites, your compositing yeah. skills go so far. If you've got something in your head that you've imagined and you've shot plates for, but you don't have the technical skill to pull it off effectively, why not have somebody else do it?
1: Um, I, yeah, I guess I could. Um, I've yet to hit something that I like was unable to do that I really thought somebody could do that much better than me. Like in in the sort of wow, that person's going to blow my mind. They're so much better than me. There are people obviously who are better than me. Um, but you know, part of me though is that I. I like the shooting and then I like stepping away and doing the editing. Like, I feel like it's it. That's part of what keeps me fresh is that I'm not shooting all the time that I shoot. And then I go home and I get to work on this. It's like doing two different jobs so that I never get burnt out on either of them. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, and I, I like I like seeing the whole thing through to the end and then letting it go when it's done and then starting back at the beginning. Like I like, I like that sort of thing. Now, if I like taking pictures and I didn't like the editing part, if I didn't enjoy it, then sure. Absolutely. But I enjoy the editing part. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a toss up for me. You know what I mean? Um, sure. I actually, I like both. So I personally, that doesn't sound like fun to me. Like I know there's a lot of photographers who don't want to do any of that stuff because they're too busy shooting. I'd rather take less jobs and, do work on all of it. And certainly have people, people help me, but I like the whole process, you know, to me, it's like, that would be similar to, I don't know. It's just, um, it's like writing a first draft and letting somebody else take the rest of it and, and print it, you know, and like make the book. It's
0: like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's like, it's a little too much. I look at this more as a collaboration than just giving it up and walking away from it completely.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I just, yeah, I, it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. I I like doing both of it though. So, uh, for me, it's like you'd be taking half the fun out of it if I couldn't mm-hmm. see it through mm-hmm. with my own hand, you know. Um, let's see, Andrew Dinatella,
0: Dinatell, maybe Denatale,
1: Denatale. Okay, a uh, question for you is about barriers. I'm starting a photo project very soon. One of the biggest hurdles I will face is being able to break down the barriers between me and subjects. I'll be spending this summer photographing a family living in the lower income neighborhoods of the city to try to erase the stereotypes that exist over income inequality. Wow. That sounds interesting. Yeah. That sounds like a, a beast of a project. Yeah. Uh, I have a very good contact that'll introduce me with the family. And I think that'll get me past any initial distrust. But seeing as I come from a middle-class white community, I won't exactly be welcome with open arms. Well, you know, don't assume that, uh, I need to be able to get the family to open up to me and feel comfortable enough where i am a fly on the wall how have you been able to do this any assignments you've taken any other advice is welcome i don't generally do that kind of stuff that's you know Hmm. is there okay here's
0: here's let me shift the question is there any shortcut to trust no and i don't think you can go in camera in hand i don't think you want to go in camera in hand in the first meeting or even a couple meetings, you know, maybe you want to go in and just talk to them and, and make them allow them to feel a connection to you so that they don't feel like they're under glass from the very beginning. That, That this is not a, a, a project that is going to exploit them in some way uh but uh, rather just the opposite you 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 want to hmm how would you say it you don't want them to feel like victims when they look at these these photographs you don't want them to be seen as as victims yeah, but or how do you op- do that well i i don't know yeah. I, I don't know the people you know i think it this very much depends on whether your temperament fits their temperament Yes. And I don't think that there's a way to guarantee it. And you may have to, uh, this may not be the right family to get your point across or to make this story. They may live in the right place, but there may be another family in the building or in the area that's a better fit for you. This is a very, very personal project. and, And the success or failure, however you define that, is going to be in large part predicated on your connection to them and and their trust in you. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's t- it's a tough one.
0: You know, and if they see the camera as as something that is going to shine a light on them and how their their situation is dire rather than showing how they're overcoming whatever sort of adversity they might, without knowing, you know, their, their, their details or anything. Uh, It's, it's a very fine line how you're going to have to walk this, but I I don't think that you should go in with camera and lights and, and just start snapping away. I think that there, there should be. um, Some discussion beforehand. Yeah, there should be I, I, I think there's a also
1: a, a, a number of things. One, yes, I think you should go in and, and talk to them, you know, without a camera, with the camera in your back, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think if they're interested, you should talk about some of the technical stuff. So it's, you know, sort of like somebody explaining the machine they're going to use in the medical procedure. So it makes it less weird about right, the machine. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, like, oh, here's the camera I'm going to use. It sounds like this. I do this because of this reason, if they're interested, you know what I mean? Cause then it takes some of the mystery out of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I also would say that it's going to take time. And at the beginning, you may get nothing you want to keep, right? You know, that, that, that it may take days or weeks or half the first half of the project where they're still sort of out of the corner of your eye, noticing that you're there, but there's a certain point at which it will disappear. And that moment will be palpable, and 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 that's when you'll start getting what you want but you may have to invest time that they think is the real thing but you know is just the warm up
2: mhm mhm good you know? point
1: uh good point yeah i don't know i think that's the best we can do
0: on this one definitely something built on on trust and respect though yeah and definitely them w- trusting you you respecting them
1: you know it may be uh worth Uh, an email or two to photographers who have done similar kinds of stuff before. Sure. Maybe that like Shelby Adams and, you know, these kinds of people. Sure. Uh, especially, especially people who are more, um, old school because they'll be less likely threatened by some younger person trying to start out in it. than you know, somebody who's your same age and level. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Good one, Andrew. Uh, let's see. Is this you or me, this next one?
0: Stuart uh, Coates. Did I read that uh, one? No, you read Andrew. Okay. Uh, Stuart Coates. Hey Stuart. Stuart was one of the people who joined us at a Pizza Shoals. So that was cool. Good pizza. Uh Oh, you good. hesitated. Oh, you hesitated. It's good. It's it's not the best <laughs> Are pizza. Are you saying I've that Oregon's known
1: for donuts but not pizza? Uh
0: not like I Southern California is known for pizza either. No, no. Uh, th- although there is a little bar like across the street from me that makes fantastic pizza. Yeah, I'm uh, in the mood for pizza. It was good. It was it was good. I wouldn't say it was stellar. OK. A uh, pizza shoals, but it was good. Uh, certainly not. Uh, I, I've read that there are if you go later in the evening, there are lines, very long lines to, to go there. And okay. I certainly wouldn't stand on a line to eat there.
1: You know, it's interesting. Waller told us it was when we were in Seattle, it was between the restaurant we went to and this pizza place, and I ended up going to that pizza place twice for the rest of the Mm. week that I was in Seattle because it was pretty good. Uh,
0: Yeah, you know, it was okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, so Stuart Coates. Okay. Uh, Do you believe every great photographer has a signature look, in quotes, to their body of work? Uh, This can be composition, color, mood, et cetera. Number two, if asked, would you be able to describe – to someone what makes your pictures yours and number three does the look even matter bill what do you think do you i believe don't th- every photographer has a signature look to their body of work
1: um i think that certain i think that they may have signature looks to parts of their bodies of work and i only say that because you know
0: like their blue period or whatever, you know,
1: Avedon has the things against white, but if you look at early, you know, Avedon fashion work in Paris, that looks nothing like the things on white. Very different. Yeah. You know what I always use as sort of the example of this is, um, like Picasso, you know, if, if there are four or five periods of Picasso, which look nothing like each other to me Mm -hmm. and they're all great and they're all Picasso. And once you know that they're Picasso, you could say, "Oh, that's Picasso, but if you only knew early stuff and then look at the later stuff, you would have no idea that it's the same painter. Um, I so uh, I don't think that every f- great photographer does. I think a lot of great photographers do. you know I think Dan Winters pictures have a look, and that's not absolutely nothing against Dan Winters. I love his look. Um, you know Greenfield Sanders has a look. Ooh, uh,
0: I think harsh had a look. Sure.
1: Yeah, But uh, but I don't think that uh, – um, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the guy who doesn't like me who has the fancy house, the big giant building? The guy who doesn't
0: – oh, Maisel? Maisel. <laughs> like I don't look at Jay Maisel's pictures. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, he does like me actually. He, yeah, just, yeah, he, just, yeah, he just likes anyway. making fun of me. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think Jay Maisel's work – if you showed me a picture, I wouldn't say, oh, that's Jay Maisel, where yeah. I could for Karsh. So yep. I don't think every great photographer does. I think some of them do. Is that fair for the first one? Yep. Sure. Okay. Second one. If asked, would you be able to describe to somebody what makes your pictures yours using words? No. If I showed them a number of pictures. (laughs) Yes. You know, I think, um, I don't know that that translates that way. It's sort of one of those things that you like, if you show a series of something, it's like, what do these things have in common? Well, you know, I could come up with words, but would those things without the pictures mean anything? You know, I think, I
0: think you're in, in there. Some of your stuff, I, like I oh, there's certain things that
1: are outside of the normal purview of my what you would say is the Bill Wadman portrait look. Right. But I think I could make a collection of 50 images that you would say are all sort of in the same circle. Um
0: But I don't think I'd be yeah. able to
1: describe that with a paragraph, and then take the pictures away, and you'd imagine what it would look like without the pictures. You know what I mean? Yes. But I think that that's sort of true of anybody.
0: Yeah. See, I'm look. I'm looking at your your homepage. You're just flipping through this. Um, I just, I just don't
1: think that it's, it's, you know, the old dancing about architecture thing, you know, it's yeah. like, I think it's very difficult to put into words what may be very obvious visually. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and does the look even matter? I don't know.
0: Well, you uh, know, the, the, does the, the, the signature sort of style thing. Uh, I, I think, I think that a certain level of consistency
1: in your work and commonality at least in certain time periods is a sign of artistic maturity in the sense that if you're all over the place and every picture looks different, maybe you still haven't found what it is, is that that is your voice. Does that make sense? Uh, sure. Sure. And that, that doesn't mean that you have to shoot that way or paint that way or write that way for your whole life. But I think in smaller sort of time period blocks, there should be some sort of, consistency to what it is that you make um and i think that that i don't think that that's the kind of thing
0: that you look to try to do i think that's the thing that naturally happens Uh, yeah i think if if, well yeah if if you're doing it right it's something you look back on right right? and go oh
1: okay if you're trying to find a look that is yours i think that's a bad way of going about it sure i think you just need to shoot a lot and then Right. Look in hindsight of the last six months and say, Oh, I seek sort of the direction I was, I was doing
0: this a lot here. And I I like
1: this and I like that. I should do more of this or that, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or this way or that way. I think that's a fair thing to do. Sure. But I don't, so yeah, I think it matters in the sense that it says something about, I don't know. um, I I think that, you know, I, I had a long two hour talk with Todd Reynolds the other day on, on video. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've been editing it down. And one of the things that he says is that he he strives for authenticity.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that. But you're so, editing You're editing your conversation.
1: Uh yeah. Well, it was an, it was two hours of video, and I'm editing it down to like an 18 minute video. Sort of a ah. you know, talking head thing. Um. And but 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 it's it's um. It's one of those things where he was talking about authenticity, and I think that a certain look at least for a period of time, uh, if, if you're doing things right, I think that that naturally occurs in some way. And if you're trying to find it, I think that that's when you're hunting around. You, know? you stop hunting around when you've found it and you generally don't say, ooh, I found it. You just sort of keep doing it and you're like, oh, this feels right. And then you look back on it and go, oh, look at those things all sort of had this commonality and they all feel like me for some reason. I don't know that it matters, but I think it's I think it's a, a a sign of something else, you know. Okay.
0: You disagree? Uh I don't I don't really have any energy on it. I don't really have a thought on it. Yeah. Um
1: I I think it's nice when people look at my work or your writing or like we always say Dushiman's writing. Yeah. And say, "Oh, that sounds like Jeffrey, that sounds like David, that sounds like Bill." Right, right. I think that that says something positive about us. Sure. Sure. You know, I don't know. Uh, Herman H., I want to start a photo project to keep me busy for the summer. I don't have anything in mind. <laughs> he wants us to come up with the ideas. <laughs> if we uh, gave up all our good ideas, Herman.
0: Yeah. I got an idea for you, Herman. Dumpsters. Oh, thanks a lot. Like a, like enough people aren't jumping on that, like, <laughs> that bandwagon. You know, I, I got an idea, though. I got an idea. What's your idea? To make handmade paper to to print on from the trash that i get out of the dumpsters that i photograph deep so meta right that's good if you actually did that that would be impressive uh i've been reading about it and and if i can get it i mean it would obviously it's not going to be like covered muck but if i can get uh the 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 right kind of paper i might I might try it just as an experiment Have you
1: ever made handmade paper
0: Yes, you need the screens you gotta get the pulp and the water yep, yep
1: um and then you were gonna print onto them mm-hmm that the printing part would probably be the hard part to get paper that's smooth enough that a print would look like something
0: yeah you'd have to you you'd have Press to it. bray it down or I could do um Emulsion transfers. That was the other thing I was thinking about is, is uh, just print on emulsion and lay the emulsion over the top. Yeah. Because then I could, I could do, um, you know, either paint or, or silver or copper leaf. Or buy
1: some of the remaining stuff for do Jai transfers and learn how to do that. It'll only take you like 20 years to get good at it. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'll do that right after I master palladium printing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I
1: was going to say albumin, but okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, just as an aside, speaking of palladium printing that got me thinking, uh, I talked to Gary Yost the other day, who yeah. is doing some really interesting work with infrared.
1: Yeah, you see the video stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's funky. He uh, bought a couple cameras and had them converted to to just record infrared. And man, is he doing some interesting. He is a wickedly creative guy. Well, you know what and it is? I, I, I love talking to him.
2: I
1: look at his stuff and I all I think is that like, wow, that's some trippy 60s stuff right there. Especially like when he, he holds the video up over his head, like looking down at him, spinning around yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, it's great. It's just yeah. great. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's a machine, that guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so I just I just kind of yeah little rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Wong oh, writes, yeah. "Why, Bill? Yes. Why yeah. do so many photographers complain about not being able to make a living today? Although I hear it from architects and doctors, I've never heard the complaint from engineers <laughs> or lawyers. Well, then you don't know some of my friends who are engineers because." that's tough. That's a tough gig too. Uh, are these photographers simply bad at business negotiating and do not know their own cost of doing business? Wow. This is Patrick. You and I are going to have to have a little chat. (laughs) Uh, so do they not know their own cost of doing business or are there too many full-time and part-time photographers competing for the same clients with their, with the the latter undercutting, the former on price. Um, I think it's all of those things. Okay. First of all, little judgmental Patrick. So dial that back a little bit. Um, Look, it's tough everywhere. It's not just photography. Maybe, maybe it's because you're, you're hanging out with more photographers than anybody else, but it's, there are a lot of people having a tough time making ends meet, not just in the arts. Yeah, true. Um, I think personally that this is a wonderful time to be a photographer i think that there's a fantastic amount of of work out there for creatives of all kinds you just need to find it
1: um i think that that's partially true um i think there is work out there i think the work is changing i think the work in many instances doesn't pay as much i think that I think it's a wonderful time to be an artist. I don't, I don't know that it's a wonderful time to make a living being an artist. Fair. Um, Fair. Uh, and I think that's part of what's going on here is that there's this disconnect between people who are trying to make rent making art and those who are just trying to make art and making a little money on the side, which is kind of making it hard for some of the people who are trying to make right. rent.
0: Yeah, go, gone are the days where like I'm reading this Philippe Halsman book where life magazine said, just go shoot the most beautiful women you can. Right. And, yeah. and paid him to fly to, you know, 16 different countries to just photograph beautiful women. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that's this probably not going to happen. Doesn't happen.
1: Now, if some guy happened to be independently wealthy and went to those 16 nations and shot women, they'd buy them from him from, for, you know, $230. Yeah. Um, to run them right. exclusively for the next five years. So yeah. there is that kind of stuff. It depends on what kind of, you know, for a, some photographers, it's a great time to be able to do it, but for mm-hmm. others, it's really, really hard. And you know, it always, but you
0: been. could say that for anybody. You yeah, know, it's true. It's but I think that there's time a time to open a pizza place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's a, I think it's a much bigger shift in this world for artists than it has been for architects, doctors, and lawyers. Although the lawyer shift is certainly coming, <laughs> you know yeah. the whole five hundred dollar an hour. I'm gonna you know eat lunch on the whatever. Like that's gonna go bye bye in, in the long term in these giant firms. Like you know, I just have another
0: maybe kind of stuff, uh, maybe the idea of making a living as an artist, which is a fairly recent development. Maybe that's a blip. Maybe maybe,
1: maybe that's a bubble. <clears throat> And we've discussed that before. I, you know, I don't know. I if it is that kind of makes me sad because then like, uh, what are we moving forward towards if mm-hmm. if not more pe more people being able to do saying, what they
0: want with their lives? You know, I'm not saying making art is a is a no, no, no. I'm no, not I, saying making no something. absolutely. But I'm just saying if
1: if in order to do that, you also have to work forty hours a week at a job you really don't like because those are the only jobs that exist in the world. Then that's moving backwards in society, not forwards. You know. That's my point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, as, as, as more wealth is in the hands of less people and more people are worker bees and, you know, less value is had for XYZ because you can always ship it to another country where there's always another country that's cheaper than your country. Like, it's just this race to the bottom, in which case it's really not better for everybody it's better for a very small amount of people who already have enough to do anything they want to do anyway. So, you know, it's, you get into these sort of weird things. Um, mm-hmm. but that's just my own personal capitalism. Isn't the panacea of the world's kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's hard. I think you're right. I think Patrick's comments are a little judgmental. If Patrick's doing well in his photography business, more power to him. Yeah. But it's d- like the, the,
0: I never get this complaint from engineers. Uh, how much engineering has been outsourced in this country?
1: Yeah. Oh, I hear, I hear this stuff from uh, most people. Uh, I just happen to be around more photographers as you say. Right. You know, um, I don't know that it's changed that much in my time in the business. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's gotten that much. I mean, there was the, there was the huge downturn for a couple of years and now it's getting a little bit better. Um, but I'm also, I mean, look, you know i'm i'm a i'm a guy living in new york city shooting stuff for magazines and commercial like i am in this weird even though i don't consider myself where i want to be i'm already in a weird percentage that a lot of people listen to the show would say well you're one of the people who's making it or you know what i mean like i make a living doing photography so maybe i'm i'm already on one side of this but it's 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 tough even it's tough for me, you know I'm sure it's really tough for a lot of other people you know mm-hmm. i don't know um we already talked about matt's email. I think that's done with the Q and a uh but I just had one did you see this articles or this uh link somebody sent us? I did about the
0: restoration hardware restoration
1: thing? hardware is selling expensive contemporary art uh so you 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 can buy. This guy, like this guy, Oscar Schmitz, uh, photographer's work, and these prints cost uh, eleven thousand five hundred dollars. Yeah, for an ad- edition of five. So you know, you he's so he's he's editioning and that kind of stuff. It's just interesting that a big company has decided to start doing addition to prints. They should have archival pigment ink on silver rag fine art paper
0: they should take some of the money that they're making and design a better site because the navigation on the site is crap. Yeah.
1: They probably spent a lot of money on it too.
0: It's, it's ridiculous. Well, they're trying it, to make it
1: look like a, a
0: gallery, right? It's, it's just, dumb. It's, it's obtuse for the sake of being obtuse. It's, you know what I
1: like is that the button, the button to buy is not anything. It's acquire.
0: Ugh, yeah.
1: your acquisitions
0: the cart is not called shopping cart yeah continue acquisition yeah this This is unbelievable i mean fine you want to sell it for a lot of money fine you know restoration hardware a lot of their stuff is is pretty pricey anyway but don't try to be more than you are yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah but maybe a lot of the galleries in the world are trying to be way more than they are oil can and it's an oil can next to some wood and it costs twelve thousand dollars Man, I'm in the wrong business. I'm going to go well, start taking pictures of
0: wood. What's What's funny about this series is, uh, it's it you're looks searching like, for what's funny about it. No, it, I'm just I'm looking to make sure I'm I'm seeing the the the. It looks like the camera was put on a tripod, and in front of this little this little vignette, and then some of the objects were just swapped out. Yeah,
1: I'm going to put a towel. No, put a pan in there. Oh, a little ladder. So people uh, love this stuff, Jeffrey. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So yeah, it's just, you know, here's, I mean, here's more power where, to you, you but want this to sell is, this kind but of this stuff. is going in the opposite direction of what you're looking for.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: This, this is, this, <coughs> is, this is people with too much money buying stuff because they think that they're now art collectors.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, and let's see. Nothing about the artist himself. No.
1: Oh, well, Nothing. there's actually, there's a, you actually, there is, you can go to Oscar or whatever it is and you can, you can go back to his page and see. Okay. So thing.
0: you've got to go back to yeah, Oscar yeah. or whatever. I was there
1: a minute ago and he had, had a, had a whole thing about
0: him. Ah, okay. Learn okay. more about this artist. Yeah. It's just, this is horrible navigation. Yes, yeah, very confusing. Yeah. This, this UI one Oh one has failed
1: um anyway go check it out i don't know hey uh we forgot to put together uh, an assignment for this week you got something
0: in mind oh right uh let's see splash was was the last one um can we do something in-
1: inside now
0: since splash why not, sort just, of... why not just interior yeah or, or indoors or what do you
1: got i don't know bookshelf doesn't necessarily have to be just a bookshelf. I'm just thinking of something more specific, you know?
0: Mm. Got anything yeah. else? I don't know. In- interior lines, interior form, oh, interior okay. geometry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, You know what? We were just talking about the architecture stuff. Let's do one like geometric architecture or something like that. See what people okay. we'll come up with. Uh, you want interior? Um, no, let's just say in general, right? Because that gives them options.
0: Okay, so architectural detail. Yeah, there you go.
1: Arch- okay, no, no, I like. I, I'm thinking so more like large scale, sort of swooping stuff. You know what okay, I mean? Okay,
0: so just let's just let's play. Let's do the architecture. Okay, what about that? Just
1: hashtag okay, architecture. So,
0: hashtag architecture.
1: Because splash is hard. Architecture is yeah, even is exact okay. opposite end of the spectrum.
0: So, uh, may, and and maybe we'll whittle this down. Maybe we'll start big and then uh, we'll we'll refine it down architecture. over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, that could be fun. Uh, hey, you got the photographer of the week this week. Photographer of the week. Uh, I got an email saying basically, hey, why don't you... Like Australian people? Why, Yeah, why don't you ever show Australian photography? <laughs> Did they really say that? Uh, yes.
1: I don't know that we ever think about it from the point of view of nationality, do we? No.
0: Let me see. Let me and that's sure. exactly what's wrong with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, A U S T R. Let's see. What do we got? I don't, do I not have anything now? I can't find the email. Deborah right. Howard. There you go. Okay. So uh, she liked this guy. Yes. Trent. She park. sent, she sent a couple, uh, and, and this is okay. Where now Where did it Yeah. Trent park, uh, Australian 1971. Uh, interesting stuff. Trent park likes Trent park. the, uh, likes the contrast, likes the contrast, Looks looks like he's he's. Would you say almost all of it is underexposed a little bit?
1: Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, and it looks like they're chromes. From- I like
0: these an awful lot, actually.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting when when you allow shadows to go dark. They almost the shadows themselves become, geom like become. Geometry in the photographs. Does that make sense? Right,
0: right, right, right.
1: Man, some of these where the light is bouncing off a building. There's this one shot of this like blue light bouncing off this building in the background. So everyone's sort of like, it looks like a movie
0: set. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Is this the Queen Victoria Building?
1: Uh, this would be one? George Street. I don't know. Let's. I don't know. Okay, I'm
0: looking at goes. another one. It's Queen Victoria yeah. Building. That's he does nice it a few too.
1: times. It's one of his tricks. Uh. But that that's that's really cool. I you know, whenever I come home with something where the shadows go dark, I always reach for the shadow slider to open them up. And maybe mm-hmm. that's something I need to not do. You know. And I think yeah. especially for for this architecture assignment for this week, I think that's a good thing to play with, you know. The yep. light versus the dark, creating shapes with architecture.
0: Yeah, I, I like this work an awful lot. Uh Magnum photographer.
1: Yeah. No, okay, so this guy shoots this kind of stuff, right? He's a Magnum photographer. Who buys this stuff to print it?
0: Uh, so I don't understand. know. Is is it is it cuz like, Magnum's
1: all about licensing the photos out to advertising. You know what I mean? Like cuz this isn't exactly editorial work that somebody's going to be like, I need a picture of a guy with a, you know.
0: Right. Uh, well, uh, maybe. I mean, d- does does everything you produce for Magnum? Does it does it is it a, a it's like a co licensing thing? It, it the copyright belongs to you and Magnum? Uh, I think so, but I mean, the whole point about being in Magnum is that you're making money for Magnum. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe he's working with a writer. Maybe he writes himself.
1: You know, it's pretty amazing uh, some sure. of this stuff uh, down the bottom, some of the black and white things. I'm looking at the um, minutes to midnight. Uh, has some really good stuff in it. Oh yeah, yep. Uh also though, you're you're right. A lot of it sort of uh underexposed, letting things go black, very contrasty kind of things. Mm-hmm. That's that must be his modus operandi.
0: I like this quite a bit. Yeah, it's interesting so, stuff. Nice selection of work. Great suggestion, uh Deborah.
1: We will we will put it in the show notes. Have you been able to find much other many other links for him?
0: Not very many. Okay. This, this was, this was the most complete body of work. Yeah. 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 Okay. I will look and see if I could find a little bit more, but I, you know, like this, this is, I would, I, I probably wouldn't be able to afford a print, but I would buy a book by this guy. Yeah.
1: You know, this kind of stuff, the, my problem with buying a print is that it would be very difficult to choose one. Like if I, if I had some sort of super high res display built into my wall that could cycle through a bunch of his photos, right? I would do it, but I would have a hard time finding a single one somehow.
0: Yeah. Uh, Born in Newcastle, Australia, 1971. Trent Park now lives in Adelaide. The only Australian photographer in the celebrated Magnum group. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Well done, you. Uh, Trent won the prestigious W. Eugene Smith Award for Humanistic Photography in 2003 for his epic road trip around Australia, Minutes to Midnight, which we just referenced. Uh, He's also won the World Press Photo Award in 1999, 2000, 2001, and 2005. Uh, five gold lenses from the International Olympic Committee in ninety six and, and ninety
1: eight. So he was shooting sports before all of this.
0: Yeah, uh, Canon Photo Essay Prize in two thousand. And it says something that
1: Martin Parr really loves his uh first book, Dream Life. Martin Parr said that uh, as dynamic a set of street pictures as had been seen outside the United States or
0: Japan. <laughs> nice.
1: Is that a backhanded compliment?
0: This is really, really good. Uh, so his okay, the Minutes to Midnight book is available. Yeah, maybe you can put a link to that in in it's a there's an Amazon link. Maybe put that uh, in the show notes. You know, notes.
1: not 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 for nothing. Yeah, but you should go check out his wife's photography.
0: Uh, Narelle,
1: new new here. I'm going to send you a link here. Check this out. You think that's good? Here, check that out. She apparently likes, talk about Splash. Oh, wow. <clears throat> she's doing all wow. these, some of the underwater things. Interestingly enough, though, she also likes the highly saturated stuff go to black, yep. high contrast look. Yep. Maybe that's how they fall in love. They're out on their them. first date, Jeffrey, and he's like, how do you feel about contrast? And she,
0: yeah, yeah. They <laughs> both me. have Kodachrome tattoos yeah. <laughs> somewhere. <or there>. somewhere. <laughs> uh,
1: anyway, so she's good, too. I'm gonna put a, I'll am gonna put a link to her stuff in there, too. How do you spell this? Uh Norel Autio?
0: Otio, yeah. A-u-t-i-o. A-U-T-I-O. Yeah. Um so good good find. Thank you, Deborah, for sending that in. That's a that's a great find. Yeah, yeah, Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: anything else before we wrap up? We're we're well over time.
0: Uh podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Keep sending in thoughts, questions, feedback. Love us, hate us. I like whatever these you Q&A a
1: shows every six shows or so.
0: Sure. They're yeah, fun. they're fun uh bill tweets at bill wadman i I tweet at jeffrey sidoris you can find bill's blog Billwadman.com slash blog you doing anything there lately what are you doing uh
1: i have been posting stuff uh when i have shoots the most recent stuff on there's stuff i shot of that cellist ashley
0: right okay um cool so check that out uh fade for all sorts of inspiration which i've been a little remiss in in posting too because i was out of town but uh i'll, I'll get back in there um uh, and, and other than that thank you for listening uh, leave a review or a rating if you're so inclined uh what else a lot what's of people it? posting pictures of their shirts which is cool love seeing them yeah i sure wore mine around portland
1: me. i have to order one
0: what's the the uh who was the guy that wearing the black and yellow and he looks like a captain morgan ad he gave his wife the camera oh, yeah. at, at, i like the you know. black and yellow this is what happens when you give your, your, Wait, wife, your yellow girlfriend. shirt, black type, yellow shirt, black type. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. Yep. Uh, uh, I, and I think I've got all of the, I asked for, for folks to send in some cameras. I think I've got most. Oh, I shoot. Of what them. are you missing? I forgot to do that for you. I don't remember what I'm missing. I'll look and I'll have and Leica were the ones I was going, I had. Handy. I think the Hasselblad I'm still missing. I think I got an M six. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'll shoot you an email. Okay. So uh, yeah. So uh, possibly some new shirts coming soon exciting maybe we'll see okay you know i can't i can't say for sure or because then people will say oh i changed my mind again which i do but uh, so maybe maybe not you're fickle it's what makes you interesting fussy some would say <laughs>
1: that's the, that's the play way to put it <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah uh, all right uh thanks for listening everyone uh we'll see you next week all right later Bye.
2: This way